in your Bible. I want you to join me this morning. We've got a very unusual text. The book of Mark, we're studying through the book of Mark. And of course, Mark is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Presents our Lord as the perfect servant. I thought that would be a good theme throughout the year. A perfect servant. See, God's looking for servants, not superintendents. Uh, God's looking for servants, not sovereigns. God's looking for somebody who will say, here am I, send me. Somebody will do what they can do when they can do it, just like they can do it. And that's what God's looking for. So Mark is presenting our Lord as the perfect servant. And of course, you know, we've studied from Mark one where it presented Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And then we go to watch Jesus perform all the miracles that he does. He's walked on the water. He's uh, raised the dead. He's healed the sick, cleansed the leper. Even went so far as healing his mother, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. I don't know if Peter wanted that to happen or not, but it happened anyhow. <laughs> Amen. And I'm so glad that he did that. And, uh, but I was wondering what the first pope did and was doing with a wife anyhow. If he was the first pope. And they say he was the first pope. Oh well, let's go on. And we've witnessed Jesus as he's gone about. Now all of a sudden today, we take a visit to a king's house. Look at verse number 14. Uh, just a visit to the king's house. Today I'd like to talk to you about this fact. A king's worst nightmare. The Bible says, And King Herod heard of him. That means that he heard of Jesus. It's amazing what memories come back just hearing a word, seeing a face, hearing a name. And King Herod heard of him, Jesus. Now notice what happened when he heard. For his name was spread abroad and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead. And therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said that he is Elias. And others that he is a prophet or as one of the prophets. But Herod heard Thereof, and he said, It is John, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. Our Father today, cleanse our conscience, cleanse our memory. May the blood of Jesus Christ be applied to every bad thought, every haunting event, everything that 
steals our peace and robs our joy. I pray, dear God, today that the blood of Jesus Christ would be victorious over every bad thought, deed, or remembrance. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we are not standing before 500 hungry individuals that needs a miracle from God. Today we're not aboard a little boat. And the winds become tempestuous and begins to rock our ship back and forth to and fro. Today we are not standing by the Sea of Galilee preaching to a huge crowd. Today we visit a king's palace. A place where most folks envy. Little boy can got lungs on him, don't he? Maybe God's going to call him to preach one day. <laughs> All right. Well, now if you stand up and cry, that is not an excuse for you to leave the service. All right. John was already preparing. <laughs> cry, baby. Today we are not standing before the throngs of thousands. Today we're not listening to the words of the omnipotent, the lonely, the lovely, the only Son of God. Today we're standing in a king's palace. See him there arrayed in his royal garments. Hear his attendants speak and go and bid as he speaks And says what to do. Today we visit a king. Today news is out. There's a miracle worker in town. In his kingdom. In his realm. In his place of royalty. There is a lonely shepherd individual. Who's raising the dead. Healing lepers. Providing enough food to feed 5,000 from just a few loaves and fishes. My, King Herod, aren't you impressed? Not hardly. I know who that is. Attendant, who do you say it is? Well, I think it's Elijah. Leroy, who do you think it is? I think it's one of the prophets. Herod says, I know who it is. It's John the Baptist. The one I beheaded. And conscience awakes. Come crashing in the doors of this king's life. As a locomotive. His conscience now has been silent and asleep all this time. That's what's bad about conscience. Shakespeare said conscience makes a coward out of all of us. Conscience lies dormant. For years and years and years, Jim. Reckon it's not there. 
My conscience is not bothering me. Well, it was bothering him. Thought he had everything made at peace with God and everybody else. And suddenly the door of his conscience is knocked down and there he is afraid. I just wonder, is there something laying dormant in your life? Then maybe just a car that was made in the 50s awakens. Maybe it's a song by the Platters, Hank Hank Williams, Chubby Checker, or Hank Snow, and your big eight-wheelers rolling down the track. Hoping your true loving baby will come back. I'm a moving on. Just lying there. Nobody knows. In fact, maybe you've almost forgot it. And then suddenly a face reminds you. A name. An event, a television movie, and conscience begins to turn. An Indian chief said, your conscience is like a three-edged gadget turning. And the more it turns, the more the corners wear off and the less it bothers. But nonetheless, nonetheless, conscience. Suddenly is there. I know who that is. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what your opinion is. I don't care. I know who that is. Verse 16. I know who that is. It is John. Whom I did not want to. Whom I admired. Whom I put in prison to keep from having to kill him. He who I went regularly to visit him in his cell and sat there and listened to John speak. He was a tremendous speaker. Probably the best preacher of all of his time. Because just that man would gather thousands about him to preach. And Herod said, I visit him regular in his cell. And notice in verse 20. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man. And he heard him, observed him. And he did many things and heard him gladly. The king had visited old John day after day in his cell, listening to him, admiring what he said, love the word of God, like listening to it, but never did apply it to his life. A hearer and not a doer. I know there's no one here like that. 
I know there's no one here who would love to hear the word of God and even have it in their hand and, and love the exciting stories of the Bible and loves the uh, apocalypse and loves uh, uh, the end days and loves to hear the prophecy. Just, he just liked to hear it. Didn't like to do it. John says, I know who that is. I know who that is. That's John the Baptist. The one. The one. Now listen. That I beheaded. Wow. You got any of them back in your memory? Any of those back in your history? Any of those I wish I had not? Any of those I wish I had had the conviction to stand up and do what's right, but instead I went along with the crowd. I listened to the voice of the world. I allowed lust to grab my heart and I sold out to God, out to the devil. And conscience, conscience. John said, I know. Now listen, would you allow the Holy Spirit today to will to work on those I knows in your life? Don't just come and sit, say amen, grunt, holy, and then leave. You have some of those I knows in your life. Amen. You know what they'll do? They'll rob you of your peace. Yes, they'll rob you of your joy. No. They'll rob you of your victory. They'll rob you of your smile. And they'll rob you of years on your life. Because they'll kill you one day at a time. Physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. John says... I know who that is. Well, I've had a terrible time with this text. I've studied the text deeply now for three or four days. You say, preach all you do is just preach three times a week. No, sometimes I get lazy and let somebody else preach. I even do less than you thought I did. But I don't have any of them I knows in my life. They've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Wrongs that I've done, sorry stuff that I've done, sinning as we do. We need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We need to take a bath in the word of God and be clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. We need to realize that he, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We don't need any of them I knows in our life because they can all be gone today. Your conscience can be clear. Your conscience can be pure. I'd just like to kind of say three things about the text real quickly. 
First of all, I think if we just take a look at the text and take a picture of it. A picture of verse 9, 14 through 29. Just a picture of it. And then we take the text and we look at the politician that is involved, Herod. Herod is not a name, it's a title. In the days of Jesus, Herod was a title given to the politicians. It meant heroic. Heroic. But in this, in this situation, it's more hellish than it is heroic. And I want to take a look, just a picture at the text. Then I want to take a look at the politician of the text. And then just for a minute or two, I'd like to take a look at the preacher of the text. Would that be all right? If I look at the picture of the text, I see, please now allow me, a dysfunctional family. You say, I know a dysfunctional family. Me too, mine and Ginger's. You say, preacher, you, you and Ginger have a dysfunctional family occasionally. Now, we've only had one fight in 30 years. This year was our anniversary. And I asked her what she was going to do for me before she had a chance to say, what are you going to do for me? Now, that's function. I said, honey, I was thinking about taking you deer hunting. She hit me, I smiled, and then I took her to eat. You say, preacher, I do not have a dysfunctional family. You're lying through your teeth. All are a dab dysfunctional. And I see in this text a dysfunctional family. I see also a disregard of the word of God. Now, I know we don't have any of that here. If you speak about a dysfunctional family, I'm talking about Herod's family. That way you won't get mad and not come back tonight and say he was talking about me. Herod the Great was the man in rulership when our Lord was born. Herod the Great is the individual who killed all the babies younger than two years old in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. Herod the Great, instead of being heroic, Herod the Great was an evil, tyrant kind of individual. He married several, several times and had children by each marriage. And his older years, he got, uh, he got, uh, 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 he got uh, jealous and uh, scared and began to kill all of his own sons. It was said in Herod's day, it was safer to be a pig belonging to Herod than being a son belonging to Herod. From those different marriages, there were different children born. One was Antipias, another was Philip. And they're all mentioned in the text. 
The Herod that is mentioned here is Herod and uh, Apartus. I got with my tongue around my Antipas is his name. And he marries an Arab woman and lives happily for a few days. His brother, by the name of Philip, Herod Philip, lives in Rome. And he married a niece who was the child of a half-brother. You got all this, don't you? And he married a lady by the name of Herodias. Antipas and his wife visits Rome, Herod Philip and his wife. She married an uncle whose name was Philip, who was a son of Herod the Great, who is also the half-brother of Herod Antipas, who is the ruler of Galilee and Berea. So Antipas and his Arab wife goes to visit Philip and his niece who he married. When Antipas got to Rome, he said to himself, Herodias looks pretty good. So Herodias... His niece, who's married to his half-brother, got hooked up. And Herodias divorced Philip. And Antipas divorced his Arab wife, who is a daughter of an Arab who has not been conquered by Rome. And if somebody makes him mad, They might be a family squabble. So are you here with me now? Antipas steals Philip's wife. And so with the wife came the daughter named Salome. And they go back to Jerusalem and lives happily for a few days. Murder, greed, adultery, fornication, living like dogs. It almost reminds you of America, doesn't it? And the politicians that is running the show. And I see in this text one of the most dysfunctional families that I find in all the Bible. It kind of reminds you of the Old Testament Ahab and Jezebel. Or Monday morning soap operas. Why they call them soap when they're so dirty. They ought to be called dope operas, not soap operas. And you say, preacher, you've started meddling now. You leave my TV programs alone. I see a dysfunctional family as I see the picture of the text. I see a 
I see a, a giant disregard for the word of God. Would you take your Bible, please, to Leviticus? That's somewhere in the Old Testament early. And I'll show you the family that is dysfunctional. I'll show you why the family is dysfunctional. I'll show you the results of a dysfunctional family. And it says in Leviticus chapter number 18, I want to read you just a verse and see if you see anything that has been violated by this dysfunctional family. I read for you verse number six of Leviticus chapter 18. Do you have it there please in your Bible? None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. Inbreeding. Didn't work in the Bible. It's not working in the Appalachian Mountains. Don't check my pedigree. Just look at me and that'll be all right. They disregarded God's clear command and married near of kin. Verse number 16. The Bible says, Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy brother's wife. It is thy brother's nakedness. When I see the picture, I see a picture of a dysfunctional family and a total disregard of God's word. I don't think we ought to be too critical. Because I think maybe there's a lot of disregard of God's word in this place. Ah, God will understand. This is the 21st century. Herod knew better. Herodias knew better. Philip knew better. Antipas knew better. All of them knew better. It's just they are going on feeling. Feel good for a minute. To hell with everybody else and everything else. Disregard to God's word. You know why America is where she is today? We don't have an economy problem. We got a spiritual problem in this country. We don't have an economic problem in, in Joshua Baptist Church. We have a moral problem. We have a problem, folks, of just flat out denying God's word. Please let me help you a little bit. Take a look at the politician, if you would, please. His name is Herod. Political title, our hero. If you notice his past in verse 17 and 18, the Bible says, For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold on John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake. His brother's, Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful 
for thee to have thy brother's wife. His past. His past is rotten. Verse 19. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him. But he could, she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and a holy and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and hurt him gladly. His past is all mixed up. His past is haunting him. His past is coming back. John, I know who that is. That's the one. I cut his head off. His past. Thank God our past can be gone. You say, preacher, you don't understand what I've done. I don't care what you've done. My Bible said if we walk in the light, as he is the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. All sin. But I don't care what you've done, where you've gone, or how long you've stayed. I've got great news for you today. Jesus Christ can wipe it all away. Totally, 100% gone. Cast behind the back of God. Never to be looked at again. Thrown into the deepest part of the sea. Never to be raised. Hid from his back as far as the east as the west. Thank God. My sins are gone. I have no past. I have no past. It's gone. What bothered Herod was his past. Well, since you're so rotten, let's have a party. Verse 21. Let's let's have a party. Verse 21. And when a convenient day was come that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords and his captains and chief estate of Galilee. The president, his cabinet, and all his advisors are there. And when the daughter of Herodias came in, about 12 years old, about 12, could be 16, 12 to 16. And she came in and danced. Now I wonder what kind of dance that was. I wonder what comes from dancing. Have you ever heard anybody getting saved dancing? Well, preacher, we just do the Texas two-shoe. Why? Why? It's fun. (laughs) Really? What kind of dance do you think Salome performed before her stepfather and uncle and all the chief estates that would make him want so aggravate, so motivate him? To give her 
half the kingdom. By the way, when you dance, what is the purpose for dancing? I read several years ago, of course, I'm not as smart as some folk. But I read and heard that this dancing together, you know, like, you know. Do you know I read that that kind of dancing originated in the prostitute houses in France? And the sole purpose for the dance was to allure your subject into complete submission to yourself. You say, well, that's not what I do. Then why don't you go to the old folk center and get you a partner? Somebody said, you're way out of bounds. Shut your mouth. I know what that rubby rubby does. It causes sparks. You say, not me. Could I please take your temperature? She danced. She danced and allured the king into giving her half the kingdom. I don't know how big his kingdom was. But if he had five dollars, she got two and a half. <laughs> now, do you think maybe her dancing might have been erotic or yes, suggestive <laughs> or revealing? I'm just taking a look at the picture. I look at the politician. I see the party. I hear the promise. Probably Herod was soused to the gills. His alcohol level was now 100%. He was drunk. The whole party was a sham. It probably resembled some of the CIA and FBI gatherings that our country has that Mr. Obama says we will investigate. We investigate everything. Amen. We never learn it. We just investigate. Well, you don't have to investigate this cat. He is drunk. He is soused. He is sorry. He is a politician. And he's got a 12 to 16 year old stepdaughter, buck naked, doing erotic dances, flopping bellies all over the world. And all of a sudden, he's so impressed. I want to give her everything. Half the kingdom. His promise. 
I know it's also his problem. His problem is he's sorrier than the bottom side of a garbage can. His problem is he needs Christ. His problem is he needs all of his sins washed away. His problem is he's his own man. His problem is he's living an immoral life. His problem is he has got his daughter-in-law, his stepdaughter, doing immodest things. And I got another M that I'd like to give to you. He is an imbecile. Of course, if he was a Republican, we'd vote for him. <laughs> Amen, preacher. Sorry, stinking devil. A politician. Could I ask you a question in closing? How many school shootings did you hear about before we kicked God out of school? I want you to notice something. I wish I'd have thought of this, but I didn't. Gathered in a little corner, a teacher and all of her second grade kids. And she says, pray kids with all your heart. She would have said that the day before she would have been fired. I do not belittle that incident. I do not. I cannot even fathom the hurt and the sorrow and the pain. I cannot fathom going to that school and there would be Andy, I mean Andrew or Mandy or Laurie or Darla, David or Jean. I, I, can't, I can't imagine that. But you know, before we kicked God out of school, I didn't worry too much about that. See, when I was in school, the Tinker Man was hanging on the wall. We said the pledges to the flag and sang hymns in our son, in our church, in our school. What's wrong is we got too many Herods running this country. Come on now. Where are you going to find a politician that's not a Herod? Our problem is dysfunctional families training politicians like Herod. Good kids are good kids on purpose. Good homes are good homes on purpose. The more you disregard God's word, the more dysfunctional your home will become until eventually the door of your conscience swings wide open and you'll be the one saying, I know. I know where we went wrong. I know what we did wrong. Just come to my mind, the family in our church. So faithful. Serving the Lord. Suddenly I watched them begin to fade away. They missed 
Wednesday night and then they started missing Sunday night and then occasionally Sundays and eventually they were out and they came back and he showed me his checkbook and he showed me the last time he wrote a tithe to Joshua Baptist Church and he said the next week when I didn't It's when everything started falling apart. I want to close. Boy, what an ugly picture, Brother Jim. But what a picture of America today. We like to hear God's word. We even own God's word. Sometimes we even quote God's word. But we don't do God's word. Amen. Of course, there's always a preacher. I see him in verse 14. He said, I know who that is. That's what he said. I know who that is. That's that stinking Baptist preacher. I cut his head off. I thought all those feelings were gone. He said, you know, I remember John the Baptist. I remember the day he was baptizing and all Jordan, Judea came out to be baptized. I remember him baptizing folks and suddenly he stopped and looked down the road. And he said to everyone standing there, behold, the Lamb of God. As Jesus made his way to be baptized. John preached, behold, the Lamb of God that does what? That taketh away the sins of the world. He preached redemption. He preached righteousness. He walked up to the king now. The king. The big chief gyratsitutus of all that area. He walked up to him dressed in his camel skin. And walked up and pointed his finger in his face and said, you need to repent. You're shacking up with your brother's wife. I don't know how that'd go over today. You say, preacher, that's not very popular. That'll get you in trouble. They cut John's head off. It ain't never been popular. Saying you're wrong. Oh, you're wrong. Or you're wrong. You're wrong. You need to get right. It never has been popular. It ain't never going to be popular. Whenever I go across somebody's emotions or go across somebody's opinion and take the word of God and show them simply, God says this, so don't do that. They get mad. And usually, it's a woman that gets mad that motivates her husband to get even. (laughs) You say... Man, ain't no woman going to tell me what to do. I'm going to give an invitation a minute. You can get right. (laughs) President of the college that I went to told me, said, Gene, you show me a woman that wants to do something. And I'll show you a man in 30 days that'll be doing it. Herod 
Herod did not want to behead John the Baptist. Herod feared John the Baptist because he was different. He was holy. He had character. He had convictions. Herod did not want to hurt John the Baptist. He incarcerated John the Baptist to save him from his wife. You say, preacher, you just don't know what kind of wife I got. I'll bet you Herod does. But the sucker picked her, so he might as well go ahead and enjoy her. John preached redemption. Herod had a chance to be saved. Herod had heard the gospel. But over and over again, Herod refused. He gave in to the towing and the tugging of this old world. He said, I'd rather have fame and I'd rather have political clout than having a heavenly home. He heard, knew, but did not respond. He preached redemption. He preached righteousness. He preached that they ought to keep the law. They ought to do what God says. They ought to live right, do right, think right, be right, go right, and stay right. That'd get people mad at you if you do that. The Bible says about John that John came unto you in the way of righteousness and ye believe not. Lastly, he preached repentance. (laughs) Herod, you need to come forward. Next time I preach, you need to come forward, get on your face. And tell God you're going to take Herodias back to Philip and say, you can have her, I don't want her. And you need to repent. You need to get right. And he didn't. What would be a shame today is to go home like you came. What would be a shame for me to go home the way I came. After all the study of all week long, it would be absolutely imbecile for me to preach it to you and not think that I need it myself. I close with this thought. Living and standing for what we do is not going to be popular in our world. I don't know if you know that or not. Brother Jim told me that we had a visitor the other night on Wednesday night. Right, Wednesday night. Brother Jim asked her, how did you hear about us? She said, I googled the churches in Johnson County and yours was the only one open on Wednesday night.
You can Google it tonight too. I said, you can Google it tonight too. And we'll be open tonight too. And we open next Wednesday night. And I'll be preaching the old time gospel. Sometimes the fire may fly out of my nose three feet. And sometimes the pew you're sitting in might get hot. It's because that's the message of God's book. Oh, yes, the politician lives on. Oh, yes, Salome's been in the movies and danced her little do what did he before crowds by way of Hollywood for all these years. But the preacher is gone. Oh, but Jesus said, among them that are born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Gone, but not forgotten. Gone in person, but his message still rings out, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Gone, but a legacy known throughout all humanity. Gone, but not forgotten.